Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, it is Friday, December 9th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety. Shortly thereafter, on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. An exciting time in the world of MMA. We got Bellator 289 tonight. The highly anticipated interim bantamweight title fight between Rafian Stotts and Danny Sabatello. We also have a women's flyweight title fight, Liz Carmouche versus Juliana Velasquez 2. We have the other semifinal fight of the Bantamweight Grand Prix between Magomed Magomedov and Patchy Mix. Tremendous fight. And then tomorrow, it's UFC 282 time. Final pay-per-view event of the year for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. A new light heavyweight champion is scheduled to be crowned in the main event between Jan Bohovic and Magomed Ankalaev. We will see the return of Patty the Batty Pimblets. His pay-per-view debut for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, taking on Jared Gordon. We got Darren Till versus Drickus Duplessis. We got Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Alex Barodo. And we have maybe the best fight of the entire weekend, kicking off the main card in the featherweight division between Ilya Taporia and Bryce Mitchell. The prelims have some fun fights, some fun storylines as well. A lot to be excited about if you are an MMA fan. And that's why we are here on this Friday. We got weigh-ins coming up at noon Eastern, if memory serves me correctly. My man AK is in the space. He'll be donning the hosting chair. It's his favorite thing, and I would never take that away from him. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens today, what happens tomorrow, and then, of course, tomorrow night, once the main card begins, probably about 10, 15 minutes before, we will go live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. I'll be off to New York first thing tomorrow morning. For the UFC 282 watch party. Yes. Myself, GC, some special guests along the way. I'll reveal one of those special guests right now. Joining us for the co-made event between Patty the Batty Pimblet and Jared Flash Gordon will be none other than my best friend, Alexander Kaylee. Very excited for him to make his MMA fighting watch party debut tomorrow. But this is your show. It's Friday. It's a free-for-all Friday, which means we can talk about anything you want. We can talk about Bellator 289. We can talk about UFC 282. We can talk about whatever you want, MMA or not. And that's what we're going to do for the next hour or so. So let's go. Let's go to the calls. And we'll start with my man, Toke. How are you, Toke? 
coming on here to say that, you know, you're making money off of me. I put money in your pocket. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Not that. Uh, I just wanted to kick off that way. Um, but what I want to talk about here, I want to say this UFC card is great, but imagine how great it could have been. I mean, the fights that we've lost along the way, it just makes it so, it's so sad, really. And what I wonder uh, is that now that this has happened, that uh, we've lost these fights that we have, I am wondering which card do you see as more top-heavy? Like, which is best at the top? Is that Bellator or is that UFC? Because actually, this time, I think Bellator has an argument. So I, uh, I'm just, uh, I just want to get your take on that because there's no, there's no doubt, no doubt that the UFC card is the, uh, like the one with the most quality from end to end. But this today, this uh, Bellator event actually seems bigger uh, in, in the top because it actually means something. And this title that there's uh, the only title fight on this UFC card is one that, that will always have an asterisk and we will always say, but are they the real champion? So I just wanted you to elaborate a bit on that. And yeah, start paying me because, you know, I'm here, you, I give you all the views, all the, all the clicks. I am, uh, I am the moneymaker. So see you, Mike. Yes, you are, Toke. And that's why we're glad to, to have you whenever we can. And your check is in the mail. How about that? Um, much like Ariel, uh, nothing that I do <laughs> nets me an extra cent. Uh, I just do this because I like doing it, and I like doing it for you guys. Uh, so just get that out of the way for anybody who questions that. Not that Toke is, but just throwing that out there, just in case. Hmm. So let's talk about the fight. Seven fights were scheduled for this card that are not happening. Ponzinibbio Lawler. Ponzinibbio is still fighting. Of course, the original main event, Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Teixeira. We're supposed to get Bo Nichols' UFC debut against Jamie Pickett. Cameron Simon was supposed to fight Ronnie Lawrence. He's now fighting Stephen Kozlo. We're supposed to get OSP versus Alexander Gustafson. Then it was going to be OSP versus Philippe Linz. And then it was going to be OSP versus Antonio Tricoli. And now it's OSP versus nobody. He will not be on the card. So we had seven fights that were at one point on this card, no longer on this card. If we're comparing main cards... I'm going to put this in a position where it's like, if I could only, Mike, you can only watch one. I'm watching the UFC. I'm watching the UFC. I get where you're coming from with the whole, there's an asterisk on the title fight. But if we're being honest, there's an asterisk on the Bellator title fight too, because it's an interim title fight. Sergio Pettis wasn't in the Grand Prix, he got hurt. Although in a lot of people's eyes, they feel like this is the actual title fight. But it's kind of the same thing. And here's, it's an interesting conversation. Like the Bellator main event, I'm more intrigued by the Bellator main event than the UFC main event. Like I obviously want to see what's going to happen. I want to see if Jan Blachowicz can do it. And the more I've dug into this fight and the more fights that I've watched leading in, I feel like Jan has a better chance than I originally gave him credit for. I am not, I made the decision, a little spoiler for the preview show going down at 3 p.m. today, Eastern time. I'm not picking Jan to win. 
Although I do think Jan has a chance to win. I think of all the fighters that Magomed could face right now, I feel like Jan has maybe the most difficult, is maybe the most difficult from a stylistic perspective. But it all depends on which Jan Blachowicz shows up. Are we going to get the, let's go bananas Jan Blachowicz like we saw against Glover? Are we going to get the Jan Blachowicz who was incredibly patient in the Israel Adesanya fight? Or are we going to get somewhere in the middle? And I think if we get somewhere in the middle, Jan has a really good chance to win this fight. If we get any of the other two, I think it's Ankle Lives all day. The fight that's getting the most attention this weekend and will continue to do so is the Patty Pimble Jared Gordon fight. Anything Patty Pimble is attached to, people are going to watch. Whether you love the guy or hate him, that is probably the fight that's garnered the most attention and will garner the most attention this weekend. Ponzinibbio Morono. It is what it is, but if we're comparing this fight to the Dalton Rasta-Anthony Adams fight, this one's far more competitive. It's far more competitive because we all know what Dalton Rasta's going to do. He's like a minus 1,000 favorite. He's going to go in there. He's just going to smush Anthony Adams, maybe get him out of there. If not, he's going to win a dominant decision. Then we have the Darren till Drickus duplessis fight, which is a spectacular storyline-built fight. Like, what's, what Darren Till are we going to get? Which guy is going to show up tomorrow night? So that's interesting because Darren's a star and people care about that. And then we have, in my opinion, the best fight, the most competitive fight of the entire weekend is Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Taporia. I will also say that Bellator probably has the second most compelling fight from a just a, a, a competitive standpoint. I love the Magomed Mag- Magomedov patchy mix fight. That fight is not getting enough attention this weekend. That fight friggin' rules. I love that fight. But just nobody really knows who these two guys are. Especially Magomedov. People know him as like the guy who has a win over Piotr Jan, but that last performance he had against Enrique Barzola was an eye-opening performance for me. Because most people look at looked at Magomed Magomedov as like, oh, he's just a he's a Magomedov. He's just gonna take him down over and over again and sit on top of him. No, this dude can strike too. And he got to show that a little bit more. And Patchy Mix is a freak athlete, still in his athletic prime. That's going to be a great fight. Velas- Carmouche Velasquez is interesting as well. I mean, look, you, you have a case to be made. If you want to make that argument, I'll listen to you. But to me, the bigger card, the more star power for sure is on the UFC card. And yeah, even like the prelims on the UFC even the Bellator, like some of the Bellator prelims are good too. Kyle Crutchford versus Jaleel, Jaleel Willis is a great fight. It's a great fight. It's a perfect step up in competition for Kyle Crutchford. So I have questions there. I have questions about a lot of the fights, but all in all, it's a damn good weekend to be an MMA fan. I'm going to try to watch as much Bellator as I can. I know, you know, I work in the space and all that, but I have to wake up at like 3 o'clock tomorrow morning so I can get ready and go catch an early plane before 6 a.m. So... I will watch what my physical being will allow me to watch. I will have it on, and if I fall asleep, I fall asleep. And if I get through the whole thing, I get through the whole thing. But, I'm a, I mean, listen, if you're an MMA fan and you don't have to wake up early tomorrow, you're friggin' good to go. You got fights upon fights that are really, really interesting. But to me, it's I think the UFC main card is better. Uh, but it's not by much. It's not by much. Mikey! Mikey. Oh, Mikey. 
Mikey, jump back in. I'll get you. Let's go to Tom. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Tom, how are I'm you? I'm doing my man? good. I'm doing good. Uh, so I, I know you said obviously the most competitive, most compelling fight is the uh, the Mitchell Toporia, and I, and I'd agree with you, man. I've been I've been analyzing this, rewatching their last couple fights, and I'm still just scratching my head on it, man, because I could see Ilya Toporia going out there sparking him, but I could also see Bryce Mitchell ragdoll him, even as good and credentialed as Toporia is on the ground, man. It's just. Everyone's been calling the Patty Pimblett Jared Gordon fight, obviously the people's main event. But man, I think far and away the best fight we have this week is is the Topori Mitchell fight, and really, really excited for that one. Completely agree with you, Tom. I love this fight. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the pulling up betting lines right now. Topori a minus one forty favorite. Comeback on Bryce Mitchell plus one twenty. If I'm looking, if this is like a hey. And I, and I use this example all the time, so it's become cliche. But if this is a, hey, here's 20 bucks, you got to put it on one of these guys based on the betting odds, I'm probably putting on Bryce because I think this is kind of like a dog or pass situation. I think it's a 50-50 fight. And if you're giving me plus money on either of these guys, I'm taking them. Even if Bryce was the favorite and Taporia was plus money, I'd jump on Ilya. That's just the way I would look at it. This fight is great. I think Ilya is the better fighter. He's definitely the better striker, although Bryce's striking is better than people give it credit for. The thing is, here's my one cause for pause on the Taporia side. Bryce Mitchell has fought the far better competition. There's just no doubt in my mind that he has fought the better competition. Let's pull up Bryce's UFC run. And then I'll compare it to Ilya's. Bobby Moffitt, that was uh, Tyler Diamond, won the, the tough finale. Fought Bobby Moffitt, got the twister against Matt Sales. Fought Charles Rosa, which everyone thought was like a big step up, and he just dominated him. Dominated Andre Feely. And then, I mean, he 30-26 sets in Barbosa. And that's a pretty solid run. It's a pretty solid run. And then we go to the Ilya side, and Yusuf Salal, short notice fight, won a decision, knocked the hell out of Damon Jackson, finished Ryan Hall, and then went up to 155 after being slated to fight Charles Jordan at UFC 270. He had weight cutting issues, so he went up to 155 and he knocked out Jai Herbert. So, look, AK, I'm sorry to say this. I love you, buddy. And I know how deeply you feel about Ryan Hall. But Ryan Hall isn't even his best win. The Damon Jackson one has aged much better. But still, I think Bryce consistently has just fought better guys. But, I mean, it's not saying, like, Taporia's fought bums, because he certainly hasn't. But, because I, I think Yusuf is a good fighter. Uh, Jai Herbert is probably not UFC caliber, if we're being honest, uh, even though Jai looked pretty good in that first round. That I, I just have so many questions. I don't know what's going to happen. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the biggest question I have is, can Taporia keep this thing standing? Because if he keeps it standing, he's going to win. He's definitely going to win, in my eyes. Although, like I said, Bryce's striking's got better. He outstruck Edson Barboza. He landed some good shots against Edson, and people thought, well, if this thing's st- if they have any exchanges, Edson's just going to take him out. No, that didn't happen at all. Bryce was able to use those, use that striking and, and land some takedowns. So, golly, that fight's good. And the same question I kind of have about Sot Sabatello, I have with this fight. Will Ilya Taporia's gas tank 
down the stretch match up to Bryce's or even come close to it? Because that's the question I have with the Bellator main event. Because if Danny Sabs can take one of those first three rounds, we got a fight. We got ourselves a fight. Because four and five, Danny's just, Danny's going to be the same guy. It's going to be the same dude. But can Stotts go four and five at that same kind of level, at that same kind of energy, with the same kind of wind? I don't know. And I feel kind of similar about this fight. I think Bryce winning the first round is crucial. It's crucial. But God, I can't wait for that fight. It's the best fight of the weekend. From a competitive standpoint, it is the best fight of the weekend. Mikey, do we have you? Yes. Morning. Oh, you're in the dark. Just freaking had a late night. Then I have to go back out there again for the weigh-ins and stuff. So in the tight tube, lots of meet and greet afterwards. So, but um, but yeah, man, it's uh, look. First of all, just to get on what uh, what Toke said earlier, I said this before when Daniel Cormier won the title when uh, John Jones vacated. People, re- we need to normalize the idea that you can that two things can be true: you can be called the light heavyweight champion of the world, winning a vacated title, while also saying that you need to beat the person who who vacated it. You know, like you don't have to denigrate somebody winning a title. You know, because they didn't beat it from the person who last had it. I get the, the logic and I agree, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not Ankalaya's fault or Jan's fault that Yuri vacated. And, 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 and by that logic, would it be even more of a legit win if they beat Glover? Because Glover's, what, just because Glover's the next champ? You know, it just, it just gets tiresome, man, because everyone wants to try and denigrate all these fighters. And it's like, you, you work so hard just to get to the title, and then you're going to tell them, oh, you're not the real champ. I'm like, wait, did he not fight a legitimate contender? Did he not fight someone who was just as good? It's not like they handed him the belt. You know, it's not like Yuri vacated the belt and gave it to the next person in line. You know, they have to fight for it. So that, that uh, that's grown to bother me because it's just like these guys worked so hard and you know how hard it is just to get to that level and to achieve such an accomplishment. And could, like, imagine walking around saying, you know, you're not really a champion because you never defended it 8 billion times. You know, like, I'm a GSP fan, and I remember when Matt Serra beat him for the title. And then Matt Serra's first title defense was the immediate rematch, and he lost the title. I remember saying, ha, you're not a real champion because you didn't beat the guy that you beat in a fluke. And I was just, and then over the years, I just became like, you know what, man? Matt Serra gets to walk around for that one time saying, I beat GSP for a title. And he gets to take that to the Hall of Fame or wherever he wants to go with it, you know? Like, that win puts him in the Hall of Fame alone if you want to put him in there, you know? Like, like, who's going to tell Matt Serra you're not a real champion because you didn't defend the belt against GSP? Who fucking cares? Honestly, all this shit is semantics. You know what I mean? Like, you reach that level, you win the title. Like, who's going to, like, you're, you're a Boston fan, right? Like, are you, are you going to say that anyone who didn't beat the Patriots during when Tom Brady was there wasn't a real Super Bowl winner? Because they had to, because everyone had to play 18 games to get there, to get to the Super Bowl and had to be, you know what I mean? Like, when you achieve something, you, <laughs> you achieve it. You know, so anyways, that's my rant for this morning. Be kind to one another. Talk to you guys later, man. Love it, Mikey. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not either of these guys' faults, but we also can't control what the fans think and what they say. And most times the true fans are in spaces like this and they watch our shows and, you know, they're 
talking positive and no matter what sport you deal with, you're going to deal with the people who are just going to hate on everything, no matter what. So, I mean, I'll say this, like, for, I mean, whoever wins, this is the champion. There's no doubt about it. And if Jan Bohovic wins, he's definitely the champion in my eyes because I, I feel like Magomed ain't alive, even with Yuri in the picture, is the I think Magomed's the best light heavyweight in the world. Like I think he beats Yuri. I think he beats Glover. I think he beats John. I think he beats all these guys. Now, will that be an exciting reign as champion? I don't know, but we'll see. A lot of people thought Habib was boring. And then all of a sudden he won the belts. So he's just going out there and finishing everybody. And that narrative, that title placed upon him over the years as he was building to get to that point, all went away. And maybe Magomed could be that dude too. And Magomed's had some exciting performances, there's no doubt about it. But I actually went back and watch I went back and watched that Tiago Santos fight again. And golly, that is a tough watch. <laughs> it's a tough watch. Uh Egalive won that fight clearly and cleanly, but it just wasn't the most compelling theater. All I I just hope this fight delivers. I I, I just I hope this fight is entertaining. I hope this fight is good. I hope both these guys bring it. I hope it's not the patience kind of fight that I'm sort of expecting it to be. And hopefully that's what happens. You just get two dudes who are just going to go in there and throw hands at each other, throw feet at each other, and let's just see who the best man is in that aspect. I understand we're mixing the martial arts, but in this fight, I kind of hope the martial arts don't get mixed that much. I hope we get a, a little bit of a brawl. We'll see what Ankalaev can do. I don't want to see Ankalaev get a bunch of takedowns, although that's probably his best path to victory here. But we'll see what happens. And you can watch it with us. We'll have fun. And even if that fight's not all that interesting to watch live, GC and I will make it interesting. How about that? We'll figure out a way to have some fun. Let's go to Double A. Hello, Double A. Good, how are you? I'm good. I've got I've got um a comment and that I want your opinion on and I've also got a question. My comment is about the World MMA Awards and the female fighter of the year. Now I'm a Valentina fan. I'm a big Valentina fan actually. I I have her merchandise and everything, but let's be real. She didn't deserve female fighter of the year. She fought once and she arguably lost. I think that's I think someone like Wei Lee deserved to win that award. And my question is, um, Ken Hooker recently came out and said that he would he would destroy Paddy Pimlet. He's crazy, right? He is crazy, right? I love Dan Hooker, but he's crazy, right? Anyway, that's it from me. Heck of a heck of a morning, Mike. Everyone listening, have a heck of a morning. You're awesome. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Thank you, Double A. I'm trying to just pull it up real quick. Um, all right, let me pull up Valentina. Let me pull up Valentina Shevchenko real quick because I want to pull up the, all the nominees because you have to keep in mind too that. And I, I just let me pull it up. Let me pull up the old topology and see what we're dealing with here. This isn't like when you, when they when you have these awards, and I know it's in December. A lot of people think to themselves like, "This is from this to this, right? It's from January of this year to 
December of this year. It's not how it works. It's actually, it's July, July 1st, 2021 to June 30th, 2022. That's what we're looking at. So it's not one win for Valentina that's put into this equation. It's two. It's the Santos fight and it's the Lauren Murphy fight. And she dominated Lauren Murphy. But I get, I get where you're coming from. Who are the other nominees? Juliana Pena, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison, Raquel Pennington. I don't think Shevchenko winning that is all that far-fetched. I saw a lot of people coming out and, and saying otherwise. But you have to, th- this is the time frame. It's July of last year to June of this year. It's not this year. It's middle of last year to middle of this year. So Shevchenko's 2-0. and Tough fight with Santos, but she did get a finish of Lauren Murphy in a fight that she dominated every second of. Pena, one win. Cyborg, basically was even, it was kind of easy money fights, if we're being honest. Kayla Harrison didn't fight really anybody all that great. And honestly, like, if out of all of these names, and I understand like title fights mean more and, and all that stuff. Let me pull up the only other one like on merit based on all of this. Raquel Pennington's three and zero. Kianzad finished Basie Chieson, beat Aspen Ladd at UFC two seventy three. So she would have three wins. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Shevchenko winning that. Now, for we're dealing with this year, like in the MMA fighting awards that we're going to have at the end of the year, I don't think Shevchenko's going to win that. I don't think Shevchenko's going to win that. I think Zhang Wei Li is a pretty clear-cut winner. But this is, again, from June, uh, July 1st to June 30th of this year. So Shevchenko, two wins, two title defenses, one finish. I don't have an issue with it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Cole. Hi, Mike. Big fan. Just a quick one for you. Um, given, like, the way the press conference went yesterday, I was just wondering if you had to put money on it, do you think Patty and Elia eventually fight? Uh, I know they're different weight classes. I'm just going to see if uh, what your opinion on that is. I'm going to say no. Honestly, I, I think I think Ilya tunes him up. Like, I don't think that fight's even all that competitive. And I'm not just saying this to dog on Patty. I just think Ilya as a fighter is just way better. And we've seen Patty's striking have a ton of defensive holes. And you can't have defensive holes in the striking department fighting a guy like Ilya because he will knock you dead. And I think his ground game can, can hang with Patty's. Patty's sneaky as hell. But... The only way the only way this fight happens is if the only way this fight happens is if both guys lose badly tomorrow. Like if Bryce Mitchell just goes out there at 30-24s Ilya and Patty goes out and gets submitted by Jared Gordon or something, I think the UFC might maybe go to that well because at that point I mean what do you got to lose? It's just you put Patty on a UK card, have him sell a bunch of tickets. That could be the main event. Like, not, I'm not talking about the March one, but you know they're going to go back later this year. Well, let's just say they go back in like July or August and they just do a fight night. Patty versus Ilya would be one hell of a main event that's going to sell a shitload of tickets. But if both guys win on Saturday or if like Patty wins and then Ilya loses or something, I don't think he could do that fight. I don't think he could do it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I understand there's beef there, but I, if both guys go out there and get melted tomorrow, then it makes sense. Because it's just like, all right, Patty ain't moving up the rankings. Ilya ain't moving up the rankings right now. Takes a little bit of a step back uh, from going towards a title shot or anything like that. Momentum slows down a little bit. If the UFC sees something in Ilya and they think he can win and they think they could build him back, you could do that fight. I also would like to see Ilya just say, I'm done with featherweight and I'm just going to be a lightweight. And then that fight makes even more sense. But to me, I don't think it happens. But the best chance for it to happen is if both guys lose tomorrow. And in a way that's, it's clear cut. Like if Patty loses a splitty or fight or Ilya loses a splitty, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. But if both guys go out and just lose clear cut, lose in a clear cut fashion, I think I think you could put that on the table but right now. No, I just don't think that does much for either guy. Really, it's just a it's just a it's a beef fight. It's a beef fight, and we like beef fights, but it's just got to make sense for all parties. And I just don't think right now it does. But if they both lose, sure, what the hell not? Four Corner Sports, hello. Heck, good morning, Mike. Um, I wanted to talk about DDP versus Darren Till. Now, my whole thing is. Um, Everybody keeps on saying that Till is a name. But I'm sorry, but when the fuck is this guy going to actually get a win? This guy hasn't won. And since the last time he won, what was it? Uh, the Madison Square Garden card, and that was uh, 2019. Since then, we had 
a president's a, a president change, right? The pandemic, all right. A bunch of stuff has has gone up. Gas prices. When is this guy going to get a win? I mean, I feel like this guy had a controversial uh, decision against Gaslam, um, and I think he could have given it to Gaslam. Um, I feel like maybe Jed is right. This guy isn't a good fighter whatsoever. I mean, Casey Lydon has gotten a win recently over you know Darren Till. Oh, well, so I mean, like, when is this guy going to get a win? I mean, if he doesn't get a win, what's next? I mean, is he going to fight like your Ian Heinishes of the world? Is he going to? Yep. I lost you, but I understand where you're going. It's four corner sports. Um, yeah, if you if you missed BTL yesterday, find your way to get to our UFC 282 discussion because. Jed Bashu just went bananas on Darren Till in his resume and his, I believe he called him the president of the failing upwards club, but he's not wrong. And four corner sports is not wrong. Like to me, you can make, you can make a case. And I actually feel this way that Darren Till's best performance of his career was the Robert Whitaker fight. And he lost that fight clearly. It was close, but I think if we're looking at where Darren could go and the type of fighter he could be if everything clicks, I think the Whitaker fight was his best performance. Honestly, I do. I think it was his best performance. UFC resume, Wendell Oliveira, second round finish. Goes to a draw, Nicholas Dalby. Nicholas Dalby's a good fighter. Decision against Jessen Ayari. And he missed weight by six freaking pounds or five pounds for that fight. Decision against Bojan Velikovic. But his last like real win, like his most relevant win is the Cerrone knockout. And Cerrone is a career well, Cerrone's a what? He's a lightweight. And he folded him. And that was, that was a big performance for him. And then he gets the Steven Thompson fight, which I don't care if you're Darren Till's brother or sister or best friend, you will never, ever be able to convince me that Darren Till beat Steven Thompson. He didn't. Thompson, Wonderboy won that fight. And if that fight happens anywhere else in the world, Wonderboy wins that fight. The fact that it, would, it wasn't even a splitty is insanity to me. It's insane. Then he gets a title fight with Tyron Woodley, just gets thrashed. And what does he get from there after getting thrashed? He goes and fights Jorge Masvidal. And he had a moment in the first round, but then Masvidal just absolutely obliterated him in the second. Then he moves up to 185 and fights Kelvin Gastelum. Now, I'm not going to get I'm not going to I'm not going to take a ton away from Darren Till with the Gastelum fight because if you remember, Darren had a lot of travel issues and he basically didn't even get to New York until like early Friday morning. So basically like all he had, he gets to New York, checks into the hotel and then basically had a cut weight, made it fights Gastelum performance. Wasn't great. Now there was Gastelum's, but you can make a case that Calvin won that fight. He had a great performance against Whitaker. He lost, but Whitaker is the second best middleweight in the world. And then the Derek Brunson fight, he says he was, really badly hurt heading into that, but didn't want to pull out because there were four fights on the books and he didn't make either of them. 
I don't know, man. Like, Darren Till is an interesting cat. But I will say this. I think Drickus Duplessis is going to win this fight. But if we're looking for a stylistic matchup that could lead to a bounce-back performance, this is the one. Like, this is, this is it. This is, this is the fight. Darren Till, from a stylistic perspective, has a chance to win. Because Drickus Duplessis is just a chaotic individual. The dude just is balls to the wall. Chaos overtakes technique. And even when I asked him after the Brad Tavares win, he was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm more technical than I get credit for. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're getting a little bit better, but you are full of chaos. And you're striking. Leave, you leave, he leaves himself open for big-time counters. And Darren Till could hit like a truck, man. So if, this, if we're trying to build Darren Till back up in some way, if you're the UFC, this is the perfect matchup for him. Because I don't think Darren beats a lot of these guys that are ranked above Drickus right now. I really don't. Like, I think Andre Muniz would just roll him. I don't think he beats a lot of these guys. Like, I really don't. But I think from a stylistic perspective, guys that are ranked, guys who have a little bit of street cred, if you will, this, from a stylistic perspective, is his best chance. Like, he's not beating Imovov. He's not beating Muniz. He's not beating Brunson. Hermanson, maybe, but I would probably pick Hermanson. Strickland's interesting, but I think Sean, if he fights smart, would win. Costa, I think, would win. Vittori would just take Till down over and over again. There's just not a ton of... I don't know. This is it. Like, this is the one. Like, if Darren wants to get back into the title discussion, he has to win. He's, he's got to win, and he's got a matchup that he could do it with, and he could be exciting. He could do it here. I just don't know if he will. Darren Till is the biggest mystery on this entire card because we just don't know. How much has training with Hamzat helped him? He's obviously in tremendous shape. He's in great spirits, and we'll see how that translates tomorrow, but I get it, man. I get people questioning the resume for sure because he could be, he could be on a... There's a world where he could be on a six-fight losing streak heading into this fight. He should be one in five at the very least heading into this fight. Because Wonderboy, you want to make a case that Till beat Gaslam? Okay. But you're never going to convince me that he beat Stephen Thompson that night. You're just not. I mean, technically, it's a win on Darren Till's record, but no. Wonderboy won that fight. But we'll see. That's why it's an intriguing matchup. Till, even after all these losses, there's still some intrigue to him. Because we've seen him fight well. But can he put it all together? Let's see. Uh, let's go to Emperor G. What up, Emperor G? Hey, Mike. How you doing on this fine Thirsty Thursday? Uh, it's Friday. Oh, it's, uh, oh, it is Friday. Yeah, it's fabulous it, Friday. It is Friday. I'm, fantastic I'm goose. Uh, look, man, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> look, I wanted to touch on a point that you made in regards to the um, Ilya Tapuria, Patty the Batty Beef. You know, I think that, you know, you mentioned a world where, you know, they both lose and it makes sense for them to fight. 
I actually disagree with that in a sense. I think that we can see a world where Patty wins and he simply uh, and Ilya loses, and we see a world a world where you know Ilya actually, or excuse me, Patty welcomes you know Ilya you know to the one forty five division. So that's kind of how I envision it. Um, I'm I'm all on Bryce Mitchell this weekend, but uh, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, there was a, a photo that surfaced late last night of um, Ilya Taporia drinking wine with the boys. How do you feel about that? You know, the night before weight cut, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like he's he's taking this, in, you know, super seriously here. Uh, you know, for, for those that are backing the, the Tiberius side, it's, you know, that when that video surfaced, it's it's not necessarily the uh, what you want to see in a fighter, right? I mean, is he really going to – is he really taking this fight seriously? Because I think we all know what Bryce Mitchell brings to the table with that chain wrestling. And, you know, he's not the type of fighter where, you, you know, you want to go against and just kind of slouch around and, and throw loopy shots. So – I was curious to hear your your thoughts on that picture and if you had if you had seen that surface this morning. Thanks, man. I have not seen that picture. Uh, if that is in fact the case, I mean, I don't really have a thought on it. Honestly, we'll see how he looks in the scale. Like if he goes, if he misses weight by like three pounds, then I'm gonna have a big problem with it. And if he comes out and just sucks tomorrow, then maybe there's something to that. But I don't know. Maybe he just likes to have a glass of wine. I don't know if he drank 14 glasses of wine. I don't know if he got, you know, Paul Costa wine drunk. But, you know, maybe he had a nice last meal, wanted to have one glass of wine. It's all right. You know, apparently there's uh, some goodness in there. I don't know. We'll see what happens on the scale today. That's That's one thing. As far as booking the patty fight, like, I just don't think it makes any sense. I don't think it makes any sense because – I honestly think Ilya's, Ilya would beat him. I think Tapori would beat Patty. And if Patty beats Jared Gordon in a fight that many consider to be his toughest test, they're going to push him as a guy that's, they're going to push him towards the title. So they're going to give him matchups. So for Patty to fight Ilya coming off of a loss who's not a lightweight, at least right, not right now, and you have guys like Grant Dawson and Jalen Turner and Armand Sarukian and Demir Izbagulov and other guys like that. Dan Hooker, you know, says he likes Patty, doesn't want to fight him, but he basically dominate him. I mean, those guys are there, and they probably deserve that opportunity more. They need to fight Patty. Like, they need it. Ilya fighting Patty is just two guys who don't like each other fighting. And there's... And we'd like to see that, sure. We'd like to see two guys who don't like each other fighting. But at the same token, if Patty beats Jared Gordon, like if he goes out there and finishes Jared tomorrow, he's going to fight a top 15 guy next. There's just, there's just no way around it. Or he's going to fight somebody with a name. Like he's going to fight the names, I, one of the guys I just mentioned, or he fights like Hanata Moicano or somebody like that because Moicano's got some buzz right now. Him fighting Ilya coming off of a win against Jared Gordon makes no sense. Outside of just, hey, let's settle a rivalry. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's nothing to gain for the UFC from that fight other than just a short-term gain of just throwing two guys who hate each other into a fight. But if they both lose, then who gives a shit? Just throw them in there and fight. Because Ilya's out of the featherweight title discussion for a minute. Patty's clearly out of the lightweight title discussion for a minute. Not that he's there yet, but if he beats Jared Gordy, he's certainly going to be. You know they're going to push him into favorable types of matchups to build him to a title fight. But I don't think, like in the long run, I don't think it does anything for 
the UFC, it does more for Taporia than it does Patty if it goes down that way. Like if Patty wins and Ilya loses, this does everything for Ilya, it does nothing for Patty. So I'm just looking at it from like a long-term perspective. But if they, they both lose, then who cares? We're not building towards anything. We just throw these dudes in there and let them punch each other in the face, and that's cool. But it, the UFC is clearly trying to build Patty towards something bigger. So I'm just kind of looking at it from a promotional standpoint. If they want to book that fight, I'll watch the hell out of it. I'll watch it. I'll be in. I'll be into it, and I'll see if Patty can prove me wrong again. But I think long term, I don't think the UFC is interested in that unless there's just nothing to it. It's just two guys fighting for no reason. There's reason because they don't like each other, but from a meritocratic standpoint and moving guys where you don't want them to go doesn't mean a whole lot. Viking, hello. Good, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, I just want to ask you about why there was less people than usual at the press conference last night. I don't know. I have mm, no idea. So, so Paddy the Baddy is not a biggest draw yet, right? I mean, the comparison to McGregor, what a joke, man. McGregor fought like man in and outside the octagon. He fought fighters. Huh? He taught fighters, you know, how to get dressed for the press conference. And I'm 100% sure that McGregor would have said, Ilya Tupuria to fuck the Spain instead of copying someone else's vocabulary. And that blonde prostitute is video dancing like a cheerleader, where McGregor has the iconic walk, and many, many bigger sports at least does does his walk. You know, I think the UFC PR made him what he is outside London, and and the other thing is his accent. So I just I just made a lot of. Uh, adjustment on my instagram you know the not inter- not interested adjustments to instagram but that guy still shows up on my explore section so if paddy the baddie and you know that superstar might come just like mcgregor maybe not but paddy is not that guy not hamza chimay or omali there's one there's one og in terms of selling fights and chaos and excitement. Thank you, brother. I uh, take it you are going to be rooting for Patty tomorrow. No, I'm just joking. Um, look, he's not there yet. He's definitely not there. He's certainly there in the UK. You can't deny that. You can't deny that. If Patty had, le- if the UFC announced. Tomorrow, I'm pulling Patty off. I'm pulling Patty and Jared off this card, and it's going to main event the pay per view at O2. The, the place is going to sell out. It's going to sell in five seconds. Patty's a star over there. There's no doubt about it. He is a star. He's getting there here. Now, I don't take the press conference attendance into account because honestly, it's the holiday season, and most press conferences I've attended outside of International Fight Week, which is on a kind of a holiday week, there's not that many people there. There's not that many people there. It's December. It's There's a lot going on. Christmas shopping, all this stuff. Like, I don't take that into account. It's not like Patty's – maybe Patty isn't popular. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I noticed that myself. First section was pretty full – Back section, there's like nobody there. But I mean, 
honestly, like who wants to go to these friggin' press conferences? They're, they suck. They suck. They're terrible. I would never voluntarily go to a press conference. I wouldn't. Not unless there's like a massive fight. Like if, if it's a massive, massive fight, like why would I even go? Why would I go? After like the first five questions, after the first like five reporters ask questions, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. So maybe people are just like, eh. Like, why travel there when I can just watch it at home and just be just as annoyed? Because that's how I feel watching these press conferences now. It's tough. It's a tough watch. We had some cool moments like the Ilya Bowman and, and all that. But, I mean, you think I want to listen to Patty Pimblett and Jared Gordon argue back and forth about whether or not they rolled together for 12 minutes? No, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I just wish they wouldn't. Like, I get the press conference. Like, I totally get it. Like, you want to do it and build the fight? Cool. But don't send all of them to the media day beforehand. Because what else is there to talk about? What else is there to talk about? We just heard from all these guys for 15 minutes. They all went up one at a time and sat at a table and got asked the same questions from the same people. And now you're bringing every single one of them back up to the dais to do it again. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It drives me nuts. I can't wait. I can't wait till we go back to a world where the UFC media days before a pay-per-view or a big card are the way they used to be. Where each fighter sits in a chair in front of a banner that has their name on it. And we can go up and just have quick four or five minute chats with all of them. And then we're getting different things out of all of them. And you can choose what you want to watch and what you don't want to watch. And then you can bring them back to the press conference because for the most part, it's different. But when you have one fighter sitting, having a press scrum for 15, 20 minutes, and then they have to come back to the press conference, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. Because anybody who sat there and watched Media Day Scrums on MMA Fighting's YouTube channel, or they watched the live stream on Wednesday, you've already heard it all. So what's the point of getting your ass into a vehicle and driving over to the arena to, to attend a press conference when you already know what we're going to get? Now, did we get Patty and Ilya almost fighting each other at the Media Day? No. So that was different. But other than that, like, it was the same thing. It was all the same. All the same stuff. So, I mean, just for me, I would not voluntarily go to a press conference. I, if I'm asked to work it, sure, I'll, I'll go. What the hell? Like, that's my job. But if they're like, hey, Mike, you want to go to the press conference with me? I'm like, nah, dude. No. I'd rather do almost anything else. UFE, hello. You're there, but you have to unmute Yo, There we go. No, I, I agree with you, bro. I, I do get the point. Ever since they switched over to the new, uh, like, format of the press scrum in front of people, 
But I also do think, like, you know, from a fan's perspective, a lot of the times, like, you know, they travel to these events, you know, they never, like, sometimes, like, imagine, imagine the first time you actually went to an event and how excited you are, you know, like, some people are so pumped up for those press conferences, you know, it's more of, like, the experience, you know, I don't think it's the listening to what they have to say, because at the end of the day, like, before we had Conor McGregor, before we had no, mostly Conor McGregor, because he's the one that elevated those press conferences. Like, he was the one that made it a spectacle, you know, something you want to see. Now, I guess it's not so much that just because it's not tailored to the type of um, interactions that the fighters have, you know, now with each other. But back in the day when, like, we had Conor and, like, really those kind of personas, they really elevated those experiences because those are spectacles. I know I still go back sometimes and watch Conor McGregor uh, press conference highlights, you know? I look, look, I, like I said, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that aspect. Like if it's a Connor presser or it's for a like massive fight. Sure. Like I'll go there. I'll like, I would go to that, but this card, like it's a good card, but it's not like a massive card. Patty's on it. But again, it's the timing of everything. Like, July, it's International Fight Week, and, like, everybody's traveling. People are coming from all over the freaking world to not only go to the fight and go to the press conferences and do that, but they're going to the, to the fan expos, and they're doing all that. Like, they can make a week out of it. It's December. They ain't traveling. Most people aren't traveling to Las Vegas to watch Jan Blachowicz fight Magomed and Goliath. It's mostly – you get some people, sure, like – even Patty said, like, you flew out a bunch of his boys and a bunch of his mates. So, like, they're there. But if Patty, if this fight was happening in, like, September in Las Vegas, that press conference is full because it's, it's not December. People don't travel that much in December. And if they do have to travel, it's for work-related purposes or it's family-related purposes. They ain't going. They're not traveling, for the most part, to Las Vegas to go watch a, a vacant light heavyweight title fight. They're just not doing it. But I get where you're coming from. Like, big-ass fight. Like, if Connor's there, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different thing. That's compelling. We don't know what the hell's going to happen. But with this, I, I'm not surprised by the turnout. I'm not surprised by the turnout. That's, that's all I'm saying. Like, I just miss the old media day style because it makes things interesting. And if you are traveling to the event, like, I – sure, I recommend you check out everything. Like, if this is your first time going to a UFC event, this is your first card you're attending live and you want to experience all of it, go to everything. I get it. Like, 100%. Do it. But most people in Las Vegas who are going to this fight, they've been to like a thousand press conferences. And for years, they were getting them like every month before they started like really traveling and more states approved the sport and all of that. Like, they've been there, done that. There's just not a... It's, it's just different. I think the month hurt it, honestly, in, in a lot of ways because December is just a sucky month to travel and most people in Vegas are like, eh, I'll stay home and watch it. But I can't wait to go back to the days where... And I feel like next year it's going to happen where we go back to the old school media days where it's a little bit different. You could kind of pick your poison when it comes to that stuff. But it's tough, man. Those press conferences are really tough. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch 
against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go to Tom. We'll go to Tristan. We'll get everybody in line here. Tom, hello. Here's what UFE said there, uh, pretty bang, bang on. The one thing I'll add to that is, I guess, though, we're looking for, we have the press conference and we have that kind of stale format. But the one thing you can maybe get from this that the UFC want for wider coverage and viral moments is, we're looking for that Radio Rahim to this day moment you know, in the uh, post-press conference moments. So I think I get what you're saying completely. I also get what UFE is saying as well. I think the, the reason the UFC do this is still to look for those viral moments to see if there's some sort of chemistry with fighters pre- or post-press conference or something, you know, in the, in the um, backstage. They're just looking for those viral moments. So whilst I, whilst I agree with your kind of uh, statement with it being bland and kind of tried and tested, particularly in Vegas this time of year, for them, they get one of those moments, they spin it for the next six months on YouTube, etc. So it is good for the viral moments and the fishing for the for the for the kind of viral clips. But I, I do agree with you that these fighters just want to just get their heads down and fucking get get it on tomorrow. So you, you can understand why they do it, but it is questionable why they do it. Does that make sense? I think two things can be true at the same time. Oh, 100 percent. A hundred percent. And like, like I said to uh, EMC earlier, hold on one second. Trying to do multiple things here. Um, Got some breaking news here. Um, Sorry. This is the tough part about doing this show. You may have seen it. I just tweeted it out, but um so more on this uh, USC, UFC gambling story. Uh, I am told by a spokesperson for the Alberta Gaming Liquor and Cannabis, they have reinstated UFC betting markets on playalberta.ca. Uh, I just got this response moments ago. Uh, here's what it says. With the recent announcement by the UFC that James Krause, his managers and fighters will not be permitted to participate in UFC events pending Nevada State Athletic Commission's investigation. Alberta Gaming, Liquor, and Cannabis has reinstated UFC betting markets on PlayAlberta.ca. Protecting consumers in Alberta is is of the utmost importance to AGLC. We will remain vigilant in monitoring the situation and ensure players continue to have safe and secure gaming opportunities on PlayAlberta. So that is... It's pretty big news right there. Now we'll see if 
the other we'll see if um Ontario does the same, but that's a wrap. How about that? How about that? So very cool stuff. Uh let's move on. Tristan, you're sorry. I'm going to the AM, then I'm going to Tristan next. AM, hello. AM, are you there? All right. Couldn't get him. Uh, Tristan, how are you, sir? Hey, Mike. How's everything? I'm good. How are yeah, you? As far as Darren Till is concerned, I just I just think the UFC really likes him. Um, and they're going to give him any opportunity he can to try to make a title run. I think um, they just like his personality. And they, they like that he could promote and sell fights and talk crazy. Um, I think I think the UFC loves that about him. Uh, Jed Mishu said it on BTL yesterday. He fails upward. He'll lose, but still get an opportunity to fight the top fighters in the division. So I just, they're going to, the UFC are just going to give him every opportunity to get back into the title hunt. If he beats um, DDP uh, tomorrow, you know, he's going to fight something, someone big again. So I, that's, that's, just, that's just what it is. I just, when the UFC likes you, they're going to give you every opportunity to get a chance to, um, get a title shot. You know, I think, I think you guys mentioned on BTL as well that, um, and, um, when, um, he was champ, when, um, Israel Adesanya was champ, he wanted to fight Darren Till. And it's like, yo, but this guy hasn't won. And I just, I just don't think he cares. I just think the UFC loves him and they're going to, again, they're, they're going to keep giving him opportunity. So it is what it is. As far as, um, the card goes, um, for Saturday, um, my question to you as well is um, what Edmund Jabazian is facing here. Um, this is a big opportunity for him. Um, I did hear him speak in the media scrum, talked about um, that he's going to put on a performance. Um, I do like the change that he got away from Edmund Tabarian, and he's now with Extreme Couture with um, Eric Nixick. And um, he's listening to everything what they said. They added a lot of things to his his game and do you think that he could get back to what he was before the three fight losing streak going on another run, you know, building himself back up again, winning multiple fights and seeing that he could be a top prospect again. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's still young. So do you think he could get back to that? And also too, what do you think about um, the prospect here? Who's kicking off uh, the actual card? Uh, Cameron um, Simon. I think I, I know you. I watched him on Dana White Contender Series. It was actually this past August. Um, what do you think him coming into the UFC? He's making his UFC debut as a prospect coming in. He's also from South Africa, so I, I guess he had he has trained with DDP. So, just your thoughts on that. Everybody have a heck of a morning. Thanks. Thanks, man. Enjoy the card. Uh, yeah, Cameron's good, man. Um, Steve Kozlow, I spoke with him earlier this week. Uh, very respectful. Very impressed with this young man. Um, it should be fun. Like, it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a good fight. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. He's got a, he could have a very bright future ahead of him. No doubt about it. 
the Till thing, you're not wrong. Like, you're definitely not wrong. The UFC likes him. People care about Darren Till. Darren Till could lose 100 fights in a row, and people are going to react to every single thing he does. Darren has found a way to get himself over. Whether he fights or not, whether he fights or not, people love him on social media, most people anyways. Um, and even if you don't, you still want to react and, re- and, and have sort of social media conversation with him. Darren's done a nice job of getting opportunities and at least getting himself over. Now, eventually, his fighting is going to have to translate into wins. And like I said earlier, you have, this is good matchmaking. This is good matchmaking. Because one of two things is going to happen. Darren Till is going to get a highlight reel finish against a guy that stylistically he could get one against. Or DDP, a guy that a lot of people are excited about, is going to get a huge win on his resume, at least in the eyes of most UFC fans. Like, everybody knows who Darren Till is. Not everybody knows who Brad Tavares is. And Brad's good. And Brad's been doing the damn thing for a while. And I respect the hell out of that dude. But most people who have any interest in MMA knows who Darren Till is. And that means something. That means something. And that's why, with the whole Patty situation, I want to throw him in there with, like, a Jalen Turner or uh, even a Demir Ismagulov, or a Grant Dawson, like guys who hardcores are excited about, but not, but not a lot of people know who they are. And if Patty beats them, us as fans are going to be like, holy shit, like that's a great win. This guy's good. Or the casual audience will be like, all right, I didn't know who this Grant Dawson dude was, but he just beat Patty Pimblett. That's got to be a big deal. So you have to look at it in that direction. I think that's exactly what this fight looks like. Now, if I'm the UFC, am I kind of hoping Darren Till wins? Probably, because he has built this persona and he has done the damn thing in that respect. But if Drickus wins, like, it's not a loss for them. Like, damn, we just, this guy's over now. And it's like Derek Brunson was already kind of where he was and some of the other guys he fought have already been sort of established and have been fighting for a long time. Like, the Rob Whitaker win didn't do a ton for Rob. Because Rob was already the freaking champion. He was already on his way back up anyways. But for Drickus, him beating Darren Till is a very big deal. It's a very big deal. Maybe not to like us, because we look at Darren's record. But again, for those who are kind of fringe fans, they're going to be like, ooh, I got to learn more about this Drickus Duplessis guy. Because he just beat Darren Till. So that's how I'm looking at it. Like, But you're not wrong. I mean, the UFC definitely likes Darren Till. That's why we're here. Uh, let's go to the baby seal. Then we'll go to the AM, cryptocurrency, and then Jay, and then we're done. Hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, real quick question. Um, what do you think is next for the winner of Ilya Saporia and Bryce Mitchell? And um, with this whole glory MMA thing, what do you think is happening with Brandon Moreno in the Figueredo fight? Oh, Jesus. Uh, second question, I have no idea. I literally have no clue. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, from what I understand, at least for like some of the guys, um, like Marcelo Rojo was able to fight. Julia Marquez apparently like went to Vegas, so he's finishing up camp in Vegas and all that. So I guess it seems like he's good to go to fight Jerron Wynn. Moreno, I have no friggin' clue. We know Jeff Moline is not fighting Jimmy Flick anymore. Uh, Jimmy Flick's not fighting Charles Johnson. I don't know if that's related or not. Because no one's saying anything. But I literally have no idea. 
I literally have no idea. As far as the Mitchell Tuporia winner, probably Mobzar. I'd like to see that. Maybe the loser of the interim title fight. Maybe Arnold Allen. I would say, like my my first get my first answer would be Calvin Cater, but he's going to be out till like the end of next year, if that even if that happens. But yeah, I mean they they both have options. They're both moving up. I would go with Evloyev. That'd probably be. Uh, That'd probably be my number one pick. But if they went to Arnold Allen or if they went to the Josh Emmett, Yair Rodriguez loser, I'd be cool with that. Now, I'll say this too. If they wanted to throw Max in there with one of those two guys, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I wouldn't have a problem with it. I do have a problem with Arnold fighting Max Holloway because Arnold's right there. Arnold's there. Like you could throw Arnold into a title fight right now and no one would complain. So Arnold in the spot he's in him fighting Max Holloway doesn't make any sense, but the winner of this fight fighting Max makes sense because even if they beat Max, like they're in the discussion, they're knocking on the door, but I don't know if they jump Arnold out. You know what I'm saying? But if Arnold's like right there and you could just slide right into a title fight right now, why would you have him fight Max Holloway? It makes no sense. So the options are a plenty. It's a big, big fight. There's a lot on the line here between these two guys. And I'm excited. I'm excited. It won't be Giga. Maybe Bryce could fight Giga. It definitely won't be Taporia versus Giga. I don't think. But yeah, I think we're looking Evloyev, maybe Ortega, like that range. Someone in the top seven or eight. But yeah, a lot on the line here. So it makes this fight even more compelling. The Am, are you there? Uh, I thought uh, I was not next online, so I went to the back to feed my chickens. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I have a question about the the uh, the uh, MMA awards. Uh, who is behind them, and like who, who gives these awards, and based on what? Because Tim uh, Tim Habib and uh, and uh, Javier Mendez, they did not get anything, even though they have been they have champions in in multiple organizations. UFC, Bellator, and PFL. Um, they have like people who are going to fight uh, for for titles in other organizations. They did not get one single award last night. I call this bias. I, I don't know based on what you you, you give awards. Um, Makachev he fought like you said the uh, the the year is from last summer to the the summer of this year. So between that period he fought four four times and he had submissions in all of them. I don't know which submission did not make it. Uh, I don't know what, what, or why the uh, Javier Mendez or Habib Nurmagomedov did not uh, win, uh, like, Coach of the Year, uh, even though, like I said, they have all these uh, champions and these contenders in multiple organizations. What do you think about that? And who is who is the, the I mean, who is behind the, who is this uh, MMA Awards show? Who is behind it? Thank you. Thanks, man. So it, the MMA award show is it's hosted by Fighters Only Magazine. They're the ones that have been putting this on for the last 14 or so years. And it's all it's a fan vote. It's all fan vote. So the nominees come out. I don't know how the nomination process works, 
I'm sure it's just people who work within the magazine that, that kind of put these all together. Um, but from there, I honestly have no idea. And then you put the nominees on and then you vote and, and you go from there. So for Makachev, the ones that count are the Tiago Santos win, the Dan Hooker win, and the Bobby Green win. Those are the only ones that count for the voting. Those are the only ones. Now, I will say this. If I don't think it's biased. I just think it's the timing of it all. Like, I think it's the timing of it all. Like, Makachev, nice, good. That's a good run right there. It's a good run. But there's just... Volkanovsky is... I mean, Makachev was in. Is, was still in the mix. Like, he got nominated, so that's good. But Vol- no, one's, no one was beating Volkanovsky. Nobody was beating Volkanovsky. Nobody was. Now, next year it's going to be different because those two are going to freaking fight each other. So Makachev heading into next year already has Oliveira and winning the belt. So that's there already. So that's already on the list for the 2023 awards. If he beats Volkanovsky, that's the second win. Those two wins alone should give him the nod. But Dan Hooker's his best win. I'm, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a nice run. No doubt about it, but with the impact of winning titles and all that, it's, he did win the title, but not in the time frame. Not in the, it's just what, not in the time frame. That's all it is. That's all it is. But Makachev got nominated, and that's pretty freaking cool that he got nominated with one top 15 win. All right, I'll take a couple more. Cryptocurrency, Hello. Can you hear me, Mike? Yes. No, yes, I can. Perfect. Mike, okay, so three reflections from the press conference. Uh, three interesting things I want your take on. First thing being, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but Dana White clearly said that Yuri was devastated when he had to vacate the belt. I just found that to be an interesting choice of words. It wasn't that he was devastated when he chose to or when he realized that he won't be able to fight. He literally said when he had to vacate the belt. I'm just going back to this. I truly believe that the UFC played a big role in, in him vacating this belt, um, having some type of a deal with him that when or even if he returns, um, that he will get a title shot. It was just an interesting choice of words that he had to vacate the belt. Uh, maybe... You know, a little slip of the tongue, so to say, from Dana. Maybe he didn't realize what he actually said there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Yuri vacated the belt completely by himself. I think there's more going on there. So that, that's number one. Reflection number two, Mike. Have you ever seen a fighter with uh, lower uh, confidence than Darren Till during the press conference? I mean, I'm not a huge Darren Till uh, fan. And I've said this before, that we will most likely just remember him as the guy that used to hang out with Chimaev. But even for me, Mike, it was sad to see. I mean, he just looked uncomfortable, out of place. Just the comments he made to DDP, just, I mean, he he already looked beaten. I mean, it's it was, it was sad to see. And, and I think that this is it. This is it. DDP is going to win tomorrow. 
uh, I think the pressure has gotten to Darren Till. I think he realizes that this fight is very important for his future. And Jed is absolutely correct. I mean, I, I don't know why. I don't know how it's possible. But this guy keeps on getting these top fights, even though he's losing or not performing very well. I, I don't know how it's possible. But I think he, like just the moment has gotten to him. It was really sad to see, feeling very comfortable that DDP will win. And the third and final thing, I just want you to take on, on <laughs> Mr. Douchebag, uh, Paddy Pimblett. Uh, did he actually, I mean, I don't know. And this is the thing, Mike. I'm, I'm from Sweden, so I don't know how people take the, world, uh, the, the word uh, mongrel. But that, to me, seemed to be a bit over the line. And I'm not the type of guy that brings up the, the good old Euro racist card. But like calling someone a mongrel several times just because he's born in Germany and lives in Spain and fights under a different flag i mean isn't like wasn't that a bit over the line i think it's quite funny because of course patty pimlet is is this good old good old yeah let's not bully anyone let's let's <laughs> let's be nice to each other and uh suicide is is a really serious thing and so on and still he goes out there and calls this guy uh, a term that at least to me and once again, Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm not from the U.S. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people think that it's okay to call someone a mongrel, but I want your take on that as well. Isn't that a bit, I mean, yeah, he, he definitely went over the line, according to me, but I just want your take on that. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not proficient on scouser talk and what one word means over there and what it means here because a lot of those guys like Till and, and Patty, they drop the C word all the time. And over there it means one thing. And over here, it's like one of the worst things you can say. So I don't know. I honestly have no idea. Um, I don't know, but I'm with you on like the, the Till stuff and we'll see. The thing with Till is like we know we know there's something there. Like there's something there. Like I Darren Till's never fighting for a world title. Um, especially in a world where Israel Adesanya is not the champion. Like if Izzy had beat Pereira and Till beat DDP and Izzy was like, I want to fight Darren Till, the FC probably would have given him what he wanted. But at the same token, Pereira's a champ. That's probably off the table now, but we'll see what happens. We'll take a few more. I, we're, we're, we're running into time issues here. Jay, hello. Hey, Mark, can you hear me? Yes. All right, up? so now waste time. Uh, I saw that Chris Dawkins said that moving down to 205 is a possibility in the future. And if he loses tonight against Jairzinho Rosenstrike, do you think that's the option for him to go or should he stay at heavyweight? And the next thing was, I believe like three days ago, I saw Jose Young's tweet out the list of fighters who retired. And Kiesa uh, responded to him and said that Luke Rockhold is actually not retiring and he may be planning on fighting again. So and what do you think about that? Do you think Luke Rockhold should come back or should he also stay retired? All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a good morning, man. That is an interesting question. I would like to see Luke not fight again. I'd like to see Luke not fight again. I mean, he lost to Paul Acosta. 
the fight was bananas. But I just go back to like how I felt about that matchmaking from Jump Street and how I felt about that fight leading into it and how I thought that fight was going to go. And then remembering what that fight actually looked like and how it played out. And to me, that's like one of the best ways you can go out, right? You go out and you left me want, like, I didn't think I would be leaving the Paul Costa, Luke Rockhold fight saying to myself, you know what? If Luke fights one more time, I ain't mad at it. Like, I'll watch it. And I actually felt that way after that. I actually did. I don't think this guy's a title contender. I don't think he's that at all. But, you know, if they want to, like, do that, like, Anthony Smith fight or something down the road, like, I'll watch the shit out of that. I'm fine with it. But other than that, no real interest because I just don't think there's a better way for him to go out. Because I think if he fights anybody else that they would, the UFC would probably match him up against. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. There's, I, I just don't. I, I think the ending is about as happy as it can get, considering where Luke's at in his career right now. So that's that's what I think. All right, let's go to today. Uh, I had a hit. He was going to close this out, but if he jumps back, we'll we'll close with him. But today, are you there? Just got to unmute yourself. Are you there? All right. Okay. I hit. I'm giving you 10 seconds. I'm giving you 10 seconds. All right. Casey Martinez, you might be closing us out here. Casey, hello. 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 I was a longtime listener anyway from Utah, but uh, I was I was just wondering if you caught the Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Tapuria, the, the video Dana sent. Uh, Ilya was trying to like talk crap to him, and Bryce just like starts quoting the Lord's Prayer. Did you see that? And was that not hilarious? Uh, yeah, I, I saw it, and let's get a little face off. And yeah, I mean, if someone was like, "Mike, give me ten guesses of what Bryce Mitchell's gonna say in the face-offs," I probably would have guessed it right. Uh, it would have been something like that. But that's just who Bryce is, man. And I don't agree with. A lot of what he says, honestly. Um, and I think you know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to make this about that. This is about those two dudes getting in there and fist fighting each other. That's what I care about at this point in time. But that face off, that was a cool face off. Those two were jawing at each other. Maybe Bryce is tapping into his uh, his inner Rose Dama Eunice because Rose did the same thing before the Ioana fight. So. Yeah. Let me see if there's a. See if there's anything else here. What do you think about Islam versus Alexander Volkanovsky? Great fight. It's a great fight. I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm more intrigued. I was intrigued before they the face off. I was all in after the face-off at UFC 280, and I'm getting more and more all in the closer we get to February 11th. Because that fight, that fight interests me a lot. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. That's going to be fun. But we got a couple months before that. All right, we are done. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Don't miss the live UFC 282 weigh-in show 
MMA Fighting YouTube channel, top of the hour. And then we will be back 3 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully, that's the plan right now. 3 p.m. Eastern, we're going to do the live preview show for UFC 282. I say that's the plan because you never know what the hell is going to happen. Because that was the plan for UFC 279. And clearly that didn't happen because all hell broke loose. And maybe all hell will break loose today. Who knows? But if that doesn't happen, we'll see you at 3 p.m. Eastern. We appreciate it very much. And then tomorrow, tonight's Bellator 289. Tomorrow I'm off to New York for the watch party for UFC 282. Have a great rest of the weekend. Enjoy the fights if I don't see you. And have a heck of a morning. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.